0: Here at Can, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue. For people who are interested in our previous shows, you can find our free archives at Spreaker.com, at the Can Projects podcast on Spreaker.com, or you can also find ad-free content on Patreon.com for as little as one euro a month, plus VAT, you can help contribute to yeah. the Can project. We do need help, so check us out on either Patreon or Spreaker.com. Hello, 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 and you're all very welcome to the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. And I'm your co-host and project coordinator, Shane McKay.
1: And I'm your other co-host and project coordinator, Christopher Snead. We focus here on open dialogue and inclusivity, and we have a great show lined up for you. One we've really
0: been looking forward to, a great book. Chris is actually on your second read of this book, Chris, I think you're saying, right?
1: Yeah. On the second read, there's a lot more kind of underneath the surface, you know, a lot more interplay between it. Just it's a much deeper book the second time you read it.
0: Yeah, Chris, you were telling me like you really enjoyed reading this book. So what can people expect from it?
1: Well, it's a fictional book, but it feels like real Dublin. It feels like a real place, and like it's it's re- it's got like a quintessential Irish sense of humor behind it, but it is also kind of sad and it has it has a lot of emotion kind of it's like a roller coaster really yeah um, definitely I think you were really you were glued to it actually weren't you? You weren't, weren't you yeah yeah, I had to read it twice to get the full value of the story like it's one of the best books I've read in a long time.
0: Yeah, that's a big compliment. i got to tell folks at home, that's a big compliment from Chris. He loves his books and he loves his readings. So I would take that recommendation to heart and make sure you get your (laughs) hands on a copy of Clementine Lane from Owen Brunkard. You'll find Clementine Lane on amazon.co.uk, I think is probably the the place to go and buy it. Mm. And you'll also find Owen Brunkard on Facebook. There's his Facebook page. And he's on Twitter, and we highly recommend you go and check out his work. It really is some great stuff, and we're going to get into lots of bits and pieces to do with that. And I'm, I'm I'm actually really interested to to learn more about this one, Chris, because like you said, it's it's um, definitely a piece of work that is obviously a lot of effort and talk on into it,
1: mm, and a lot of love. Yeah, there's like you can tell the obvious passion he has for Dublin, like, and there's a funny little thing um, he actually added in a glossary of terms for the non-Dublinites. Oh yeah. At the back of the book, which is really funny, like, yeah, you know, it has definitions for the words like "kulchi" and, uh, has Glush gone like for car, you know, May Fainer, and it gives you a bit of a description of all these terms. And Al Brunkard, he's, he's a pretty interesting guy, Chris, aside from the novel.
0: And we've got his bio here, he sent over to us, We're just going to read out for folks They give us a wee bit of a insight into the author. So Dublin native Owen Brunkard has worked on various inner city community development projects for the past 11 years. Qualified in social policy and research, Owen started his career providing enterprise and training advice to people in long-term unemployment. From there he has supervised a a labour activation scheme and several community led youth services. And as a qualified social researcher, he has also worked on several policy papers and research projects for civil right, right advocacy bodies. When not, when not walking with his unfortunate wife, Owen enjoys reading and writing novels that are critical of civil servants as he is not a civil servant and is somewhat jealous. Owen's official motivation for writing this novel was to create a hopeful, humorous parable for the importance of community in an increasingly isolated and individualizing world. Owen's unofficial motivation was money. (laughs) uh, uh, So great stuff. Really looking forward to this now. So I think, I think without further ado, we're going to bring Owen Brunkers into the virtual shooter here at CAM Projects. There we go. Owen. Oh, Mr Brunkert, how are you doing? No, not too bad. Great, you're very welcome here. We're absolutely thrilled to have you here to talk about your book.
2: I think I actually there's a bit of controversy about my de- uh, definition of the word culture because I just kind of said outside Dublin because that's how a Dublin norm would be, a culture. But if <laughs> oh so yeah, yeah. outside Dublin, there's townie and there's culture and they're not happy to be lumped together. No, so they wouldn't be. There's a bit of controversy about how I define it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. And Will I, re- will I read your definition there go for it just just for, just for pig irons. culchy, the risery term meaning country folk not too dissimilar to a redneck <laughs> <laughs> oh it's great uh, yeah,
2: there's a few, you know my 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 wife's from wexford and um she wasn't happy with the definition she thought it could be a little tighter but uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. where did you get the idea for that actually on uh, like did, did you, was that something you kind of decided early on you were going to add that in or, or how did that come about?
2: Well, you know, it's it's only when I was kind of thinking that, you know, I was planning to send, sell the book in England and actually as it happens, it sold in Germany, weirdly enough, quite well, and Australia and America and England. And um, British wouldn't be too, too bad in this kind of stuff, you know. I mean, obviously the Irish terms, they, they wouldn't know directly, but they might take a guess within the context of it but you have no hope in kind of a German setting or like it's a whole different cultural kind of setup. Like, you know, so I just thought yeah. I probably need to put some kind of background to what's going on here, you know? And I thought it was a little bit of an opportunity to have fun as well. Kind of a four dimension thing too, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The a little bits of detail in there really add to it. The, 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 the overall kind of feel. Yeah. I think.
2: Yeah. The whole thing should be kind of, it shouldn't be just a self-contained package. It should be like the whole book is an opportunity to have fun with it. You know what I mean. If you if you thought about it, so I just thought it was a nice little addition. Yeah, it does get me in trouble with my wife.
0: <laughs> Great. So, so went.
1: Yeah,
0: So when 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 was the book published then?
2: It was published April last year. Uh, it was around April fifth. We went live with it. Um. It was two and a half year process before that. I'd started uh, writing it in, I think it was mid 2018. And um, so there's an awful lot of editing and rewriting and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, no, we launched it in April Um truthfully that initial period it's kind of, your, 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 you get your friends and your family, they're buying initially. So it actually takes a lot longer to build the kind of promotions and so forth to begin to get outside to people who don't know you yeah, and so on and so forth. So hopefully we really were beginning to get good sales with the, the book around August, really.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, that's yeah. really good then. It's since. So oh, brilliant. So it's, okay, it's, great story. It's, kind
2: of, it's good, yeah, because you're kind of afraid that it goes high at the start and then it'll dip when those who you know you... Yeah, yeah. I've gotten their copy, but no, it kind no. of spread. So
1: from, from my reading of the book, I think people will tell their friends. Like, I've already told a few people, I was like, you have to read this book. <laughs>
2: well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, there seems to be a little bit of watermelon mountain. That's great. Like, it's a, cause I always take people's advice when it comes to book quite seriously. Cause usually, you know, you read something online and it's, you're never quite sure, but when you show somebody, it's because you don't want to waste time with a book either. It's a commitment in and of itself. So no. I mean, it's, it's good uh, to get bored about there. It. It's the best way of advertising.
0: Yeah. And, and plus, like, as you mentioned there, you know, like there is that there's that initial phase where it's like people, you know, are checking it out. But once you get outside of that network, you start to get like a really good idea of, well, how is it being? perceived or what do people really yeah. make of it because you, you've a less you know like people you know and your friends and your family there's a bit
2: of there's a wee bit of bias in there but well, when I always tell it's great though and that's what they're for because, you know, if they told you it was, it, it was bad, you'd be kind of brokenhearted.
1: Depends on the friends.
2: Yeah, nice. no, that's <laughs> true too. But um,
1: Whether you respect their opinion or not. <laughs>
2: this is very true. I, got, I kind of got some emails and stuff from, and I'll tell you where it was a nice kind of grouping in particular, it was dysphoria. There's was talking mm. people, particularly in Australia and America, and they sent emails in and this is what I remember and, this is very vivid and stuff like that. And from that point of view, it was kind of nice because it was kind of a link back. So I like that. Like for me, that was uh, a, a nice little kind of, you know. I mean, they're looking, reading this book and it's like, right, that's it. I know exactly the setup. I've been here, you know. And I thought that was nice. So.
1: I I think you should write a, a follow-on book called Tato Crisps for this whole.
2: closer perspective, I'll go to me sitting in the park, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, uh,
0: Owen, could you? you know. I suppose, could he, can you give people a, like a rough idea what what should they expect from from Clementine Lane?
2: Well, I suppose in a, in a very basic way, it's kind of a soap opera. In a lot of ways, it has that kind of quality to it. In that it's real, it's aimed at real, real kind of life as best it can be. Hmm. But I mean, it's a little. I'd like to think a little bit more than that. It's essentially five, maybe four to five, directly into weaving narrative lines set in an inner city community and essentially it's about four it's really about four people trying to deal with isolation in various terms against the backdrop of modern society um, gentrification of an area um, the way things are now modern Ireland, basically so it tries to mix that as best it can with a bit of humour it shouldn't be too hard uh, you know I t- try and take the narrative line of just try and make it as funny as possible, but at the same time, not shying away from the issues as I, I've seen them and I've known them
1: yet, no? yeah, That's very important. It does, it does go to some dark places, all right, and then put, so like, that would be what I would say.
2: That, it? Oh, <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. There's, well, like, I, I, my own back, background is I worked in community development in the inner city area for 12 years. So, I, unfortunately, I, yeah. I, I've seen that. I, I kind of have that kind of knowledge of the, uh, those kind of areas and those kind of lifestyles and that kind of thing. So it kind of gives you a bit of a an understanding of it. And I don't really want to ignore it either, but I think it's more black humor. I mean, mm. you know, I mean, I had a really great guitar teacher and his whole point of view was it was always harder to write a happy song, uh, but it was worthwhile to do it. And his kind of concept on that was, and it's the same kind of philosophy underpinning it, You shouldn't avoid, like, I don't try and avoid to say something sad or dramatic or or whatever, but there's a great danger when you're writing something that you might get into a kind of teenager, kind of melodrama, like a a teenage girl channeling the Bronte sisters, you know. You don't want any of that, you know. Yeah. To to, to try and kind of keep it as as level, but not shying away from the fact that, you know, this is going to be, there, there are parts in life that are kind of dark. But the humour is meant there to kind of offset set that and give an optimism. But
0: no, you know it. that's it's, great. Yeah, and from, oh, and that's brilliant because like that's like a big part of the work we do around here is hinged on that exact approach. That you know yeah. there, there are there are dark and tough parts of life, and we got to take it with it with it with a wee bit of a. Uh, take it in our stride and be able Humor's to laugh. Yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's not
2: worth to dealing with that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And it's a really, important, you know, and, and and talking about these things and like going to these tougher places so that we can kind of get involved in the healing. Oh, don't ignore and, it. Yeah,
2: ignore Don't ever ignore it. That's the worst thing. But I mean, at the same time, like y- y- you don't have to have, I think dark humour is actually the best way to describe it. They're, you require a little bit of that. Like, you know, you should be able to laugh at things, you know, as well. Like, you know, so. Mm. Yeah,
1: you could almost describe it as Irish humor because we're known for our gallows humor, like
2: (laughs) yeah, that's exactly it's that kind of gallows humor. It's it is Irish humor in a nutshell, like. Which makes me kind of wonder how it's doing in
0: America.
2: It could do do really well. Who knows? Might do really well in Alaska Alaska (laughs) or you know.
0: It's funny where these things turn up, but so you're you are you are saying there on it's like twenty eighteen was you, you kind of started it, but was mm. there any kind of precursor to that? Had you did you have it in mind
2: to write a book for a while or you well, know, Well, I mean, once again it's that kind of thing. I always kind of wanted to try it, but when you originally start trying to tie around with things, you do send into this kind of melodrama, oh, and dramatic and the rest is a bit withering i see and you're like, Oh, this is awful. <laughs> and then I kind of thought, well look what am I really trying to do here? So I kind of sat down and I always like Flann O'Brien's kind of approach. Flann O'Brien kind of in that swim with two bar- boards, he talks about um, the characters having control of their own destiny. And it's a very surreal and abstract way of, of thinking. What the way I feel about it was I wasn't going to write a plot from the get-go and say, this is how they're going to interweave with it. What I was going to do was I was going to think about the characters who they were what they believed, what their background was, what they were about, and then launch them into a setting and then spiral out. What would they do from the various choices coming from that setting? The actual book, uh, the original draft of it began in the meeting where they're talking about the rebuild. It literally starts there. And there was an editor who late, later said, you know, you, you have to give a background to what's happening here. Yeah it was literally started it. In, in, in in that meeting. And the point of that was I could introduce each of the characters as they, as I went along in the meeting and then kind of, they have their context now off they go. So they, <laughs> which as an approach to writing means that you'll never really get a grip of what it allows for twists and turns because the writer himself doesn't know what's going to happen next. So you're not setting yes. it up. Uh, it's not contrived. and um, But at the same time, the hardest part of that process is once the story is finished, you have to re edit and allow foreshadowing of different things to happen. So, in a way, the characters have traveled their own path, but then you have to reread it and say, well, Now I have to add those layers. You talked about rereading it. Mm-hmm. There's these other parts in it, and there's other relations. They have to be edited in after because they've done their own thing, and now yeah. it has to be all yeah. painted over, you know? So
1: yeah. That was kind of the there's approach, some, joke with it, right? Yeah, there's some. Oh, yeah, I missed that bit the first reason yeah. because I didn't have the 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 well, I'm mad, like,
2: I mean, that's that's it. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of hope that, like, if it's all straight at your face, what straight away, you're kind of well, you know, you want a little air, in there, you know. But yeah. yeah, that was the approach. I
0: took Well, That's great. So it's like a nice kind of organic approach where yeah
2: exactly that organic uh, great
0: okay well look we're going to take a quick break and we're going to we're going to be back with more from Owen Brunkert about his book Clementine Lane which we highly highly recommend you check out you'll find it on Amazon there it is there up on the screen amazon.co.uk uh, Owen that's that, that'd be the the place yeah. to find it yeah
2: yeah 100% great it's uh, it's the best one to go for
0: okay great and if you'd like to reach out to Owen at all you've Owen Brunkert. you'll find him On Facebook and Twitter, and there'll be links to the book and all that kind of stuff in the description. So we'll be back with more from the CAM Projects podcast after these short messages. The CAM Projects Culture, Arts, Nature, and Wellness is an outreach project advocating that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and our environment if you'd like to contact can projects you can email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com and the link to our website is in the description for people who are interested in our previous shows you can find our free archives at Spreaker.com at the Can Projects podcast on Spreaker.com. Or you can also find ad-free content on Patreon.com. For as little as one euro a month, plus VAT, you can oh. help contribute to the yeah. Cannes Project. We do need help, so check us out on either Patreon or Spreaker.com. And we're back, and you're all very welcome to the Cannes Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, art, nature, and wellness. And I'm your co-host... Shane McKay and I'm your other co-host
1: Christopher Snead. and we got uh, home drunkard right in here and Chris, would you read us out a wee bit there? Yeah, no, this is, this is just, this won't give any spoilers away. It's mostly a descriptive chapter because I love, I love my descriptive text. So <clears throat> a crow flew over the little red bricks. The glow of the street lamps was his guide in the darkness and the rain as he swiftly made his way back to his nest for the night. The crow had misjudged the malevolence of the clouds when he had flown out earlier, and he was now resentful of the rain which poured heavily on his back on his feathers. The little bird climbed high to assail the towering blocks and flats, and to his pleasure descended with a, with the wind at his back down towards little steeple atop the chapel. However, in a circular motion, he eventually majestically landed as he had done countless times before on his little nest which was cleverly positioned in a corner of a ledge just in front of the chapel's beautiful stained glass windows. He would have protection from the wind and the rain now. It was cosy. To the little bird's annoyance, there was a constant garish blue flashing under his wall. Understandably irate, the little crow approached the edge of the ledge and he looked down on an ambulance. Two brightly dressed humans were carefully loading a red-headed one into the back of the vehicle. He was not moving. With his head to one side, looking at this non-moving human was a large male in a blue jacket drinking from a cup while a smaller female also in blue spoke into her shoulder
0: yeah it's really it is it's very descriptive
1: <laughs> it kind of makes it real
0: yeah yeah okay great so we, we get moving on i can't wait to hear more about this
1: there's some, oh yeah, I missed that bit, the first reason, yeah, because I didn't have the the, the well,
2: I'm like, I mean, that's, that's it. Like, I yeah. mean, you, you kind of hope that like, if it's all straight at your face right, straight away, you're kind of, well, you know, you want a little air, you know. But uh, yeah, that was the approach I took.
0: Well, that's great. So it's like a nice kind of organic approach where...
2: Yeah, exactly that, yeah, organic. Um, I don't presume to know what they're going to do next. Okay. Uh, I, I presume, who's, I, I know who they are. Okay. So the, as the, and their settings change because they're all interacting on that basis. I know that kind of sounds mad. It, it sounds like I'm channeling some nope. both split personality, but I'm trying to actually think about how that, they're going to react, you know?
1: Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense to me because uh, there is some writers where the characters don't perform as they should, if mm. you know what I mean. Yeah, they're not like they're, 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 Yeah, they're doing things completely out of character for the yeah. character they are.
2: And see that no. was clear. Like I mean, I didn't want them to be uh, kind of oh, and now he does this because it's a sh- it, it's amazing change in the storyline. I didn't want that to happen. People kind of hmm. they're habitual to it as a, a sense. Yeah. Like no, so I didn't want it to change so, too much. Yeah. Plus, it's yeah, like there isn't
1: very
0: yeah. readers like they like to invest their their thoughts and their energy into, it. and if you just throw them as kind of spanner in the works, it's just kind of it's not going to yeah, no help either. for the... Yeah.
2: yeah, and rightly so. I mean, people are making a commitment when they're uh, reading your book and stuff like that, and they should expect a certain kind of level of, you know, you put a bit of thought about this into it. <laughs> <Yeah. way. laughs>
1: you, you, you did throw a few spanners in the works. Oh, yeah. The works, well. yeah well, but Only when <laughs> spanners were necessary of, you know, um, there was the, like the narrator is very, very uh, teasy, you know.
2: He's oh, done, yeah. Yeah. Like, G- I like yeah.
1: being a bit of a Yeah.
2: No, it's see I like being a bit of a jeer. And you know we all kind of tell lies to ourselves and stuff like that. And for for mm. interaction to work, we kinda of let each other off and that's necessary. But the, the narrator doesn't. His whole thing is nah he doesn't mean <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: the the narrator's the sixth character, like you
2: know. Oh yeah. The and that character. was an intention. But mm. What happened? Like, I mean, that's not always like you, you do going back to talking about how other people read the book. You'd be surprised where you like that. And, and another few chaps that I know really like that kind of interaction. But I know a guy who read the book and he was kind of saying, do you know, what? I don't like the narrator being so impactful or, or almost involved in the story as he is. I rather just report events, you know, that kind of way. So I guess it's not to everybody, but I kind of like a character that breaks the foot wall and ties it together a little bit. You
1: mm. know? I, I I think a good metric would be if they like Terry Pratchett, because it's something that I find Terry Pratchett does, is that the narrator yes. goes, Ah, now, here here's, here's a little tidbit, but not much of a tidbit. It'll, exactly. it'll make sense later.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I enjoy that. Like, I like the kind of, it, yeah, it is teasy. That's exactly the word, you know. I mean, it's that kind of... Yeah. You know, I, he's having fun at, you know, and I think that's important as well. It's going back to that idea of not taking things too seriously. And it adds a little bit of levity once again in those moments when things get dark in it. He should be also able to pull you a little bit back from it too, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. always be kind of grim either, you know.
0: Chris, so would oh, you yeah. like to read out the
1: the, uh, the blurb from the back yeah, blurb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... No man is an island. Oh, wrong voice. eh uh, right. Sorry. No man is an island, but in Dublin, in an inner city, in an inner city lane, can just be that. Welcome to Clement Lane, where everybody knows everyone's business, and respectfully keeps it to themselves and everyone else. A drugs rehabilitation center is set for development on the lane, prompting the locals and their snobby neighbors from the next road over to unite in protest. The fragile alliance is forced to take on the combined weight of the political and media realms. When an addict dies in suspicious circumstances, elsewhere, a dark past that has haunted the lane for a century intertwines with the fates of a teenager and a homeless alcoholic. Is it supernatural? Or is it or is reality a, a uh, or is reality that bit more frightening? Finally a man from a well heeled part of the city blows into the lane. Full of confidence and short on affection for his neighbours. When confronted with an impending loss, his friends fade into the digital world, leaving him to face this problem alone. But then, no man's an island. Clementine Lane is a humorous and poignant panorama of contemporary Dublin.
2: <laughs> the last line is known as one.
1: <laughs> so I find, I find that kind of
0: interesting on how um, it, like the, the, the theme of isolation
2: is a big one, is it then in the book? Yeah, I mean like there's a lot of, it's it's a Michael Ireland is great from so many different aspects considering what went before and how oppressive it could be but there's other things that it's missing and it's that sense of community and a point of kind of, like the four characters there, you've got the uh you've got the little teenage girl from Clementine Lane, you got got um, the homeless alcoholic and the middle-class chap moving into the area, the 30-something from the offices moving into the apartment as part of gentrification. They all suffer a different form of isolation. And that's kind of their team. They're all completely different characters. But it's to show that this is still happening, this is happening in this... You know, I mean, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of sense of you know, there was an awful lot wrong with what went before, like it's clear as day, but we are losing a little bit of community cohesion and it's an advertisement for that. It's about, you know, trying to find a, a nucleus. Like in a lot of ways, you, you, you see the apartments springing up around the place and you know that there's cells where people are kind of just basically sleeping before they go to work. And then the weekend they can go back home to whatever town they're mm-hmm. from. So it's kind of a critique of that kind of lifestyle that we're entering into. And, you know, hmm. the, the it, lunch at the desk. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it, technology, it's a little bit of an attack on capitalism, but not really red flag. So it's a little bit of attack on technology, but not really Luddite stuff. It's kind of saying, you know, don't forsake human interaction. It's important, you know, and then I know we're talking on this and the rest, but look, we're talking face to face at least. But when I am talking now is when, particularly if you look at that character who suffers the bereavement, his whole social circle is on WhatsApp. group. And I've mm. seen that firsthand. I've seen it in others. And it's sad. Um, the little girl is uh, unable to talk to her parents. You know, it's... The, the, the guard is a fish out of water. And, you know, the apartment... Uh, like, you know, the... The homes alcoholic obviously has his own issues with addiction that brings on its own isolation, you know. So it's, yeah, isolation is a massive theme in it, and it's a critique of, look, a lot of things have progressed and that's great. But there's some things that we're, we're beginning to lose and we need to actually look at that. It's important.
0: Yeah, like basic like, level basic stuff. Here is
2: important exactly for that. Like You know, this is exactly the hmm. point. Like you should be reaching out and, you know, comp- bring this all together and that's that's what you're doing that's that's kind of the narrative point of the book to a large degree you
0: know yeah that's very interesting now actually because um yeah like as you mentioned that's like it is it's a big focus on that that those exact kind of topics you're talking about we've covered multiple times on the show and, um, yeah, we see it as a really important conversation to have, you know, that and that we kind of as uh, individuals and as a society start to engage with each other a bit more and in our communities and technology can be a good tool for those things. But it'll never be. Uh, it's an extension. It's not or it shouldn't be a replacement, you know, and I kind of find that it's kind of a, like almost coincidental then that you kind of had a lot of this in mind and then we hit the, the lockdown. So how yeah. did how did that kind of feed into the process for you? And did it did it like invigorate you, or did it take? Did it make it like? How did well, that it kind of
2: run the launch party? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean to be honest, which it, 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 like I it didn't affect me in one sense because a lot of the sales are actually based online, but it, it became a theme after an awful lot of that book for me. I finished that book, writing that book in January last year, you know, and it foreshadowed an awful lot of things. From I'm not saying that I'm an oracle or anything like it, because I just think that it was kind of so grounded in reality that it maybe didn't even foreshadow shadow it. This was stuff that was happening all the time. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it gets emphasized because of the lockdown, I think. And people are kind mm. of like, oh, was, you know, but it was happening slowly before that. Yeah, you know, and I um I had a researcher come over here from Canada some years ago. I'm a community development officer here in James Street, and her whole thesis was about you know where's your uh, where's your community node, you know. So you go to French Canada, it'll be a Catholic church, you know, or like a kibbutz in Israel or whatever, you know that kind of way. You'll there'll be a point in a comu- uh, community where they'll all meet, and at yeah. least once a week, everybody's chatting and, um, you know, having a picnic or something like that. I said, so, well, you, you could say it's the church, but now it's the pub. But even now, like it's not even the pub in a sense, because there are even smaller groups again. That kind of atmosphere has changed as well. I, 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 could, I had to answer honestly, there really wasn't one. And our organization that I work for, we try and do that. But it's really I can tell you now it's really hard to bring people out. like You know, oh. so technology is a kind of it's a bomb. That you're putting on the root and wound. Do you think you have a social but you don't? You know, it's sure. Yeah, it's, we're all it's, it's, a, a, a WhatsApp group message, uh, fifty of them an hour or whatever, and you, oh, joking man, huh. You know, it's a distraction, but it's not the same it's, as playing a football or,
1: or no. You know. It's a little bit like the methadone of conversation.
2: It's yeah, exactly. Like I mean, that's it. Yeah. No way of putting it. Like I mean, that's exactly it. You, you're kind of in a scenario where. You think, you, yeah, you, yeah, it's medicated. Your 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 life is, your social life has been medicated rather. Well, it's,
0: I, I like to go back to the, um, uh, you know, when, when, when you say like, if you look at calculators, you know, that as soon as calculators came on the scene, all of a sudden people weren't great at maths anymore. And yeah. I think it's a similar thing with mobile phones and whatever, and it's kind of like it's it's dumbing down conversation. I think.
2: Well, it's over reliance, exactly dumbing down. Yeah. So you have your smiley faces
0: and stuff. Yeah, so. and I mean, it's got it's got. There's good points too for sure, but I think we got I think that is really. This is a really important conversation and topic we're getting onto about. We we need to be aware of that as well because it's like I don't think it's really measured
2: either yet. Like there's been no real. Precedent. It's, me- it's It's kind of hard to measure it. Like that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? If you talk to somebody, in, let's say a qualitative interview and you, you sat them down and said, Oh, what to call it. Do you have a good social life? Oh yeah. Look, look at all these friends groups, you know, and they'll the phone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They may not realize <laughs> themselves, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. And I suppose you could do it in the survey sense, kind of how many times do you actually meet your friends face to face? Which would be a better question.
0: No, hey, well. that could be a good census. Maybe they should be adding questions like that in the census, actually. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know? Because it is um it's unprecedented like this uh the thing yes. with technology, and like we, again we've done we've we've covered it a good bit, and like we've spoken a bit about how you know this interaction with the phones and stuff like it's mm-hmm. a bit it's a little bit like a slot slot machine sometimes you know yes. where there's things flashing up at your face and you yeah. get positive reinforcement and
2: yeah well, that's it, the the other side of it like you know yeah there's actually. <laughs>
1: In in some countries they actually have computer addiction treatment facilities. Wow. You know, because kind of, people are that, da- you know.
2: It's a bit bleak, it's very black mirror really, isn't it? It's,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not you right know. You know. No.
1: But um, it's all about the dopamine, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I suppose in a lot of ways was kind of that, and it's a rather on the nose kind of thing of... Uh, I don't think it gives anything away, but to say that I'm pushing this way, you know, it's mm. good when they're all together. Like the 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 the, yeah. the rehabilitation center, the politics—they're all straw men. It's to get them together, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, no, that's like especially towards the end of the book, it's kind of you know, you do you do you do make that point fairly clearly, like yeah, but without being too without being too kind of head patty.
2: The yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. well, that's the, see, that's the danger, isn't it? Like, don't be a patron. Yeah. <laughs> when you throw
1: in the moral, don't put in too much moral. <laughs>
2: that's it. You know, you, you need your ice cream with it. Like, that's that's long the short of it. That's the, but that's the other thing about it too, and it's why humour is important and all of that kind of thing as well. Like, mm. I mean, you don't want to be p- uh, pious or someone to moralise at you because, as you say, it's patronising. So if you're reading this, you, you've spent money on a book, and to some degree... Yeah, grand, you want to think about things and that's what the author is trying to do to some degree, I'm sure. But also you want to be entertained, and that's why you bought the book mainly, right? Hmm. And that's a fair assumption to have for the thing. So you don't want somebody preachy going, Oh, you know, chicken litter little disguise falling, like, you know, um, we don't socialise enough anymore and it's your fault. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do any of that kind of routine. You want to actually no. say, Look, this is something worthy of thought, but you know, enjoy the book. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, great. Okay, well, look, we're going to be back with more from Owen Brunkard next month about his book Clementine Lane, which we highly, highly recommend you check out. You'll find it on Amazon. There it is, there up on the screen, Amazon.co.uk. Uh, Owen, that's that. That'd be the, the place yeah. to find it. Yeah,
2: yeah, hundred percent. Great. It's uh, it's the best one to go
0: for. And if you'd like to reach out to Owen at all, you'll Owen Brunkards, You'll find them on Facebook and Twitter and there'll be links to the book and all that kind of stuff in the description. So we'll be back with more from the Cam Projects podcast and part two is available now on Patreon.com. When we can, Chris, what do we like to do? Help each other.
1: Help us all. That's
0: it. got the name, Owen Brunkard, thanks a million. Thanks
2: for having me on.
1: Sláin
0: And the Cam Projects email is canprojects.info at gmail.com and you'll find a link to the Can Projects website in the description all the best